the Old Testament of our Bible is sometimes daunting. Scan the pages of the good book and you will hear of genocide, violence, polygamy, and other hard-to-handle issues. Some might think the God of the Old Testament was different than our caring and compassionate Jesus. They are wrong. Our God is the God of the Old and the New Testament, whether we always understand it or not. So why read the Old Testament? It tells us where we've been, it tells us where we're going. We see the beauty of God's love, and it swells with prophecies about Jesus. We love the Old Testament because Jesus loves it. Join us as we continue our ongoing series, Origins, studying the Bible Jesus read. Good morning, friends. Uh, I'm Pastor Dale. I'm one of the pastors here for City Life Church. Excited to be with you today. Um, today's message is called, I Want That. Um, I thought of like all kinds of titles. The only thing I could think of is, if you've seen this one movie called Napoleon Dynamite, there's this scene where they're at, the, where they're at a dinner table and he's trying to like sell Tupperware to this lady. And then the guy's like, you could get this. And it's like a ship in a bottle. And there's this lady and she just goes, I want that. So that's... <laughs> That's the title of the sermon. It's about covetousness and stealing. Um, but I just thought, uh, yeah, okay. Um, so uh, we had a great men's retreat this weekend. Uh, we had, yeah, all in all, uh, I think between the two days, we had uh, over 30 guys come, um, which is really incredible. And, uh, you know, those of you who made it, I'm stoked. Those of you who didn't make it, uh, I hope you make it next year if we do it. Uh, it was a lot, a lot of work, but it was really incredible. So I hope, I hope we do do it again. Do do. Um, all right, for our translation. Buenos días. Si necesita escuchar el sermón en español, tenemos dispositivos de traducción para usted al costado de la sala. That's the best I've ever done with that. So we're going to be in Exodus 20. Um, Exodus 20. Uh, we have Bibles available in the corner. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you a study Bible if you need one. Um, if you have 10 bucks to drop in for it, that's great. If you don't have that, then we just want you to have it. We, I'm happy to go bankrupt giving away Bibles as a church. That's kind of a good thing. Um, so Exodus 20, we're going to be in Exodus 2015 and Exodus 2017. There's a reason why I've chosen those two and I've put them together and you will see as we get through the sermon, uh, it seems like it's going to be a short sermon. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so, uh, Exodus 2015, uh, you guys there yet? Exodus 20. Um, if you have one of these study Bibles, Exodus 20 is right page 106, page 106 in the study Bibles that we, uh, we uh, want everyone to have one at least. Um, I got stuff falling out of my Bible. All right, Exodus 20, 15, here comes God's word. Do not steal. Okay, Exodus 20, 17, do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, on this uh, cold, rainy day, uh, we thank you for providing water for the plants. We remember that when you send rain, uh, you do it intentionally. Remember, bad things sometimes precede great things, like the rain comes before flowers and before fruit. 
God, even the cross, your murder, which seemed like the worst thing ever, turned out for our blessing. Father, we ask that you would be close to the grieving today, that you would bless those who struggle in their health, addiction, abuse, gangs, and all the things that are coming at us today. God, we pray for those who are suffering under the shadow of coronavirus in Wuhan, China, in Italy, in Iran, and all over the world. God, would you be close to those who suffer and protect uh, us from all our irrational fears and our callous ignorance. God, we need you more than ever. Teach us this morning from your word. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing to you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have you guys ever been ripped off before? Yes. I mean, I feel like almost everybody in the room, in some respect, has been ripped off before. Um, I got lots of stories about that. I'll just tell you a few of the times I've been ripped off. It just feels gross when someone steals from you. It just feels gross. Um, I remember this time when I lived in Costa Mesa, which is like Orange County, the worst. Um, And uh, sorry if you're from Orange County, it's not the worst. It's just the worst to me. Um, but I remember I was in an apartment complex, and uh, it was like gated and all that stuff, and I had my surfboard stolen off my porch and my wetsuit. And, you know, I guess shame on me for leaving it out there and trusting them. But I felt terrible. Like, I didn't have money to replace it. Um, I remember uh, this one cut me real deep. When a friend took my dad's 1984 National League Champions Padre shirt, and he took it from my closet because he liked it so much, and then he was wearing it around town. I was like, dude, can I have my, my shirt back? And he's like, what shirt? I was like, that's my shirt. That's my dad's shirt. And uh, I'm never going to live that one down. That one hurt. That one cut me real deep. That, that was an awesome shirt. But that's not the big one. Okay. One time I was on eBay about uh, 20 years ago, and a guy contacted me. He's like, I see you're bidding on this thing. And so this is just to show you how dumb I am. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I am bidding on it. He's like, I got one for like just a little bit cheaper than you're bidding. What an idiot. Who does that? And I was like, oh, yeah? Um, so can you send me through PayPal? We'll work it out. We could do it. I was like, yeah. Like, I'm that dumb, friends. And then I just remember every day waiting in front of my house for the UPS guy. And I would just hear the sound of like a trash truck. And I'd be like, is that the UPS guy? Is that the? And, you know, day after day, like waiting for like around the UPS time, I started to realize like, oh, Nah, he might have ripped me off. And then so I contacted him, and he's like, oh, I had a death in the family. Let me send you the money, or let me send it to you real soon. I'm so sorry. So another week went by, and uh, he, he had ripped me off. And I, I, I contacted the Memphis police, because he was in Memphis. And I said, I have the address where I sent this guy money. And they said, yeah, you know, it's $800. It's really not worth our time. We're not going to go. And I'm like, I have his address. The dude ripped me off. It's, this is where he lives. They're like, yeah, it's not worth our time. Memphis police. So then uh, I was on tour with our worship band, Shine Like Stars, back in the day. And we stopped at this, this studio where uh, Johnny Cash recorded and U2 recorded. And it was pretty cool to go there. Um, not knowing that while we were inside taking this tour, um, someone took a screwdriver to my car and opened it just like that. Um, so watch out if you have a Ford. And um, took a, a violin from my bass player took my iPad, took my computer, took a couple iPads because we used them for the music and the band, and took a bunch of our gear and just took off. And I remember um, looking at the video. There was video footage of this guy, just like screwdriver in and out, like so quickly. And I just felt so hurt. And we had to get to a gig that night and play that gig uh, nearby. Um, and uh, the police wanted to talk to us like for like, gosh, Southern police. They wanted to talk to us for like hours about how the guy did it. I'm like, gosh, can we go? Like just rubbing it in. But what I can tell you is being ripped off was terrible. 
and it felt awful, and it changed the trajectory of my day, my week, my month. And um, I know many of you have been ripped off before. Today's going to be a little bit about stealing, um, but it's going to go further than that, because Jesus usually doesn't go, doesn't go to just actions, does he? God doesn't just care about our actions. He cares about the state of our hearts. So um, today I have two thoughts on desiring things that God hasn't given us. Two thoughts on desiring things that God hasn't given us. That's a mouthful. The first one is this, don't take what's not yours. I think I said it, what isn't yours. That's better. Don't take what isn't yours. Exodus 20, 15 says, do not steal. You know, it's so funny because we're going through the Ten Commandments and like, you know, you start going through that and, and sometimes you see something like this, they're like, so simple. It's so simple, but it's not, is it? It's not simple. So first I got to give you the background, right? So some of you guys have been with us this whole time through the Ten Commandments. This will be a little bit of a recapitulation. Um, I used a big word to sound smart. Um, here we go. So remember our context. Israel was enslaved in Egypt for most likely over 400 years. And so God had to do some detox with them after they left. Slavery had brutalized them for generations, and you can't turn that off so quickly which is why God intervened with the Ten Commandments. And when I say quickly, I mean, like, our country has not been around for, like, our country's been around for, like, half the time they were in, in Egypt, half the time they were enslaved. So, like, that's a long time, and that's going to do damage to generations and generations and generations. So, in slavery in Egypt, they were surrounded by people who worship multiple gods and even probably commissioned them to build idols. So what does God go first at? He says, do not worship other gods. Do not uh, build yourself idols. In Egypt, uh, they were, um, he, he said, have no God before me because I'm it. They worked endlessly in slavery. So God had to say to Israel, learn to rest. The people who enslaved you didn't let you rest, but that cannot be a part of who you are now. You have to learn to rest in me. And so God spoke about the Sabbath and what it meant to rest. Um, then we see other things like uh, slavery had no mercy for family, for kin, and, and they were torn apart because of slavery. So God said, honor your father and mother if you want it to go well for you in the new land I'm about to give you. And so it continues. Um, I didn't t touch on all of those, but those are ones specifically that had to do with this. So here we have an enslaved people who may not have owned material possessions for quite a long time, for many generations and generations and generations. And they're finally given the right to own property, materials, and God is once again preparing them for the sins that come along with desiring more and more. To, to own things, there's problems that come with that. And so God is preparing them for what's going to come with them. What's going to come with owning things? What's going to come with their neighbor having more than them? What's going to come with them having less than other people? Am I sure that this is what, why he's doing it? No. No. And I want to say, ultimately, what matters today is what the scripture says. But I'm, I'm trying to help us understand why God might be focusing on these specific things in the specific moment for specific people. And how does this relate to us in the United States in 2020 in Southern California? Best coast. All right, just kidding. Sorry, I know we have visitors from the East Coast. Sorry. Um, he's saying, Israel, do not steal. Because, friends, satisfaction is found in God alone, not the things that we ac accumulate. But then I ask you, really, what is stealing per se? Like, what about stealing bread to, serve, to, to feed my starving family? Well, I tell you that if you're here and you're listening to that and you're feeling that way, we have food. <laughs> so don't do it. We have food available for you. People from this church bring food for each other so we can help feed your starving family. So you don't have to steal. 
A matter of fact, we, uh, if you need soap and hand sanitizer, friends, and you, you don't have the finances, we put some of that in the, the, uh, the, the food pantry today as well so that you can have the ability to have those things that we don't always think about when we have a food pantry, do we? Now, we could end up in endless scenarios, but if you are seeking God and reading his word, he's going to shine a light on the places we are tempted to steal. Now, I can tell you, um, back in the day, we had this thing called LimeWire or Napster or things like that. Basically, what you would do is you wanted music. Um, so you'd be like, you'd hear a song on the radio. So what you do is you would go on your PC, you'd log in through AOL, and then you would get on, on LimeWire, and then you would download viruses. That was the point of, actually, the point was not to download viruses. The point was to steal music. But you downloaded basically all the viruses that you could get. This was like, this was the OG way to steal music. No, it wasn't. We made tapes before that, and there's all kinds of, um, but this is what we did. We would get on there, and we would take music, and during that time that we were going on getting viruses and sometimes getting music, the musicians were losing money, and it was stealing, and, and the thing is, is like, for me, I was okay with it. I was okay with it. I felt like this is not really stealing. It's just kind of, you know, it's just a, the big bands. They make all this money. We're not really stealing but I can also tell you that I was in a band. I was in a punk band. Our, our name was called Loose End. And uh, we played all over San Diego. And then we showed up one time at Eastlake High School. Um, and we played Eastlake High School in the South Bay. And uh, when we played in the South Bay um, at Eastlake High School, there was a lot of people there to see us. And I was like, what? what? Eastlake? What? I don't even know anybody in Eastlake. What's going on? Um, and then we played at Eastlake High School, and there was like hundreds of people singing my music with me. And I was like, this is pretty awesome. And then, you know, at the end of our gigs, we set up a merch, a merch table, and uh, we're like, who wants to buy CDs? And they're like, we already got it. <laughs> and I was like, how do you have my music? They're like, oh yeah, this one dude bought it, really loved it, shared it with everyone. And I was like, oh, sweet, um, we're in debt. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so that was uh, around 2000, 2001. We spent $10,000 to make that album, like uh, scrimped together to get that album made. And ultimately, um, we never really made money off of that. Although now, my CD is rare, and we sell it for 50 bucks, which is really awesome. Um, but I will say that um, at that point, suddenly LimeWire made a lot of sense to me. Suddenly, stealing music hit home for me. And I realized that this affects me. And so today, I'm not going to be talking to you about the good and the bad about Napster, but I'm just giving you my examples of when I thought something and then when it hit home. Now, I will tell you, we're not saying, today's not really about don't steal. Today is about how God can change you, how God can convict you, how God can rule in our hearts and do something within us. The fact is, there's an OG on the block who comes to our church, and they would tell me that he would steal anything from you. Now, he's not here today, so, uh, you know, I, was, I don't have to, I don't have to, like, be face-to-face -face with him. I planned on it. Um, but what they said is when this OG uh, would come around, you hid your stuff. And uh, I, if anybody's seen the movie Friday, he was, um, he was much like Debo. That's how they described him. It's like when Debo comes around, you have a gold necklace, you go like that, you put it in, make sure Debo doesn't see it. They told me that when, if I were praying with this guy back in the day, he would have stole my Bible while I was praying for him. But... God intervened in his life. And we're seeing God do miracles through some of these men in our community. An OG shot caller in our community who's come to know Jesus, and God is working in his life in profound ways and in our neighborhood. 
Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. God doesn't just tell you not to be a thief. God takes thieves and turns them into generous people. God takes thieves like us and turns us into people who share what we have with others. Not by our power, but by the power of God. Now, remember who Jesus is talking to when we read Matthew 5 the last couple weeks? I'll, I'll refresh you. He's talking to all these stuck-up religious folks, okay? And, and he was talking to people who all said, Jesus, I got this. I have a handle on this. And I tell you, if you feel that way, I want you to know, as your pastor, it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous to think you've arrived. Religiously, spiritually, to say, I've made it, is very, very dangerous, especially when it's on your own actions. And Jesus was hanging out with dudes who thought they had done enough good stuff that God was cool with them. Because they looked at these Ten Commandments and said, I've fulfilled all of them. So Jesus, what do you got? So Jesus said, hey, uh, the religious folk would say to Jesus, Jesus, I don't murder. I'm awesome. When Jesus says, well, if you have anger in your heart towards a brother or sister, you are just as bad as a murderer. You need me just as much as a murderer does. Oh, okay. Well, Jesus, I don't cheat on my spouse. I am really, really, really ridiculously religious and awesome. Jesus says, if you even look at someone with lust in your heart, you sin against God, you sin against that person, and you commit adultery. And so we feel this. This is more. But finally, we've come to a place. We've come to one of these commandments that a lot of us can go, you know what? I'm good. I'm good here. I don't steal anything. I'm good. Like, this is the one when they have done surveys of the Ten Commandments. What commandment do most people believe that they have down? This is the one that they say they have down, which is a little scary because of the murder thing, but I don't know. Um, (laughs) Maybe they're interpreting the way Jesus is. Um, But here's the thing. As your pastor, if I'm to follow Jesus, I have to wake us up to the places where perhaps we are doing the very thing that we say we don't. And every time Jesus looks at at the the outside, he drills way deep down into our hearts. And he reveals something to us. And he reveals that we can't do this. We don't have this like we like to pretend we do. So let, let's think about some of those things that we got to drill down on. Anybody watch Tyson vs. Fury? Did anyone pay for it? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I have people who talk to me about, hey, I got this special box, Pastor. <laughs> and, and I say to you, like, where'd you get that special box? Did you pay for it? If you're stealing it, you're stealing it. If someone gives you a special link to the game, just a special link in China, it's stealing. Stealing cable is still stealing. Not paying someone a fair wage that's working for you is stealing. Cheating on your taxes is stealing. Now, because I'm just coming at you with some things that you're probably like, well, thanks, Pastor. Let me just tell you a place I've been really tempted to steal. Can I tell you that? Um, Okay, so don't buy me this, okay? Don't buy me this. Every time I tell people I like something, like I mentioned Rice Krispie Treats and y'all roll up to my house with a wheelbarrow full of Rice Krispie Treats. Don't buy me this. The new Padres jerseys are fire. They are so cool. They're brown. And I like, I know you're like, brown? Really? Brown is awesome because brown, it doesn't look anything like the Dodgers, the Royals, anybody else. They are awesome. Love the new Dodgers, or Padres. That was not a Freudian slip. 
hate. I'm just, hey, I know we got a couple Dodger fans in here, so I'm happy for you guys winning every year. Congratulations. We're coming up. But I love the Padre jerseys. They're so good. I'm not telling you the number. I, and, and I know some of you guys are so, you guys are so amazing that you guys would like give up eating lunch for like weeks to bless me with something like that. That's, you are amazing that way. Don't do it. But they're, they're amazing. I love the new Padre jerseys. I also love Az, the Aztec jerseys. I'd love to get me an Aztec basketball jersey, you know, with sleeveless, walking around with my guns out, you know. I'd love to have a, a, a Pistons jersey. So I, I'd love all these jerseys, you know. Now, if you uh, spend any time on Padre Twitter, um, they will tell you, oh, you can get all those for real cheap. Just get it from this website. And, uh, you know, I'm, I may have, you know, looked at the website that makes jerseys in China. Now, they don't pay for the rights to make these jerseys. Some of them look super bad, and, and some of them look amazing, and some of them look just like the jerseys. And I tell you, there was a moment, um, maybe like a few weeks ago, where I was like, man, I've been waiting for these new Padre jerseys to come out. They're like 250 bucks. I could get one for 20 that looks just as good. Friends, it's stealing, though. It's stealing. Um, I don't care who at the top, I don't care what fat cat is making money off of it. It's still stealing. It's stealing someone's, someone's right. It's stealing someone's corporation. And, and so for me, I found myself struggling with this. And so I want to tell you like, that we all have places where we struggle with this. And uh, I went and I found a website with a guy where it was like people arguing this. It was not a Christian who was arguing against this. So I want to just read you what he said. He says, not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but am I the only one that has a problem with this? When did buying illegal Chinese forgeries become acceptable? I realize the, quote, real thing is expensive, but you're taking money from U.S. companies that have paid for licensing and rights to produce these. While the real jerseys are probably not made in the U.S. either, the companies, Nike, Adidas, etc., employ thousands of U.S. citizens. Little things like this add up to billions of dollars in lost earnings for the U.S. and transfers the money to China. Now, I'm not here to tell you like, whether we should buy things from China. What I am here to say is, it's a temptation to steal for all of us. It's a temptation for me, your pastor, to steal. So I'm not here to tell you that I got this. I'm here to tell you that I have the same struggles that we should all be willing to admit that we might have somewhere. So friends, it's not just stuff. It's not worth stealing, and it won't make you happy. Because satisfaction needs to be found in God alone not the junk we accumulate, not even the sweet new brown Padres jersey with the sand pants that are so cool with the pinstar. I don't care. <laughs> Lord, deliver me from temptation. So how are we able to just not steal? And is that really what God wants from us? You have something, I want it. How can we tune our hearts to God's and find true satisfaction when we're going to experience 500 commercials today? You're going to drive by billboards you're going to see billboards on the side of cars. You're going to listen to the radio. You're going to hear commercials. You're going to watch a music video. You're going to hear commercials in between, and you're going to see someone wearing all kinds of clothes that they're paid to wear in that music video so you can want it. Those things telling us how to be happy. How do we get past that? And that's my second point, which is contentment in Christ is key. Contentment in Christ is key. Now, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, um, this doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't. The fact is God empowers us to do things that we should not be able to do. And so if you don't know Jesus as your savior, this is just going to be me telling you basically work harder. 
I'm just telling you, it's not going to work. Working harder doesn't always work this way. Now, uh, verse uh, 2017, do not covet your neighbor's house. Do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, I just want to remind you guys, 10 commandments are the very like floor of what God expects of us. And, and it gets a little weird when you start to see your neighbor's wife. Like, what about your, your neighbor's husband? What about, this is the floor, friends. And Jesus takes us far beyond the floor, doesn't he? The expectation for us to be like Jesus is what the real expectation is, and we can never, ever do it. So a covetous person wants whatever is not theirs. Tony Evans describes the covetous man as the man that is, quote, never satisfied. Friends, God wants us to desire the right things. This is not saying don't ever desire good things. It is saying to desire the right things. To never, ever desire good things, well, that's similar to Buddhism, friends. The Buddhist teaches this. Life is suffering. Suffering is caused by cravings. And nirvana is reached, um, and suffering is ended when we stop craving. That's Buddhism. But that's not what we believe, is it? Kevin DeYoung puts it this way. He says, that's not Christianity. The Bible says our problem is not that we desire things, but that we desire the wrong things or desire good things in the wrong way. Can I say that again? The Bible says our problem is not that we desire things that we desire the wrong thing. The Bible says our problem is not that we desire things, but that we desire the wrong things or desire good things in the wrong way. Now, C.S. Lewis, he puts it this way. Um, It's not that we desire too much, but that we desire too little. Here's how he says it. He says, we are like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. Friends, we are far too easily pleased. God offers us something so much better than the things we desire. Now, I can say that here. I can say that here, and I can tell you, um, I was at the Nike outlet this last week looking for something like, Lord, like reveal to me the Jordans that are in my price range. (laughs) I left it empty-handed, okay? (laughs) I left empty-handed. But God offers us so much better than the things we desire. And this is a struggle, and it should be a struggle with you, because if this is not a struggle with you, then I think you're lying to yourself. He offers us him, but we're going to have to let go of mud pies, friends. If we truly want to embrace the great plan God has for our lives, our families, and yes, even our church, we have to look to him for our satisfaction, not the things that we want to get. Because satisfaction is found in God alone, not the junk we accumulate, right? But the world is not going to get this. The line keeps moving. As soon as you get somewhere, the line moves further, doesn't it? You find yourself, oh, I just want this one thing. And if I just get this one thing, I will be satisfied. And then the line moves. Well, okay, well, I just need that that one thing. If I get that one thing, I know I will be satisfied. And then it goes further. And we find that it is only God that satisfies because those things move forward and forward more and more. You think about those cartoons where the, you got the guy sitting on the donkey and he has the, the, the stick with the carrot dangling right in front of the donkey and the donkey keeps like biting at that carrot. Keep walking forward, keep walking forward, keep walking forward. He never gets the carrot. I hope he gets it when they stop. It's the same way with us. We see something out in front of us and then we think, if we only have him, if we only have her, I will be satisfied. If I only had someone that wasn't like my husband, I would be satisfied. If I only had friends that were nicer than these people, if I only had a church that, no, my church is perfect. That's what you think. (laughs) I know, I'm just kidding. Um, 
But if I only had one more thing, and I tell you, friend, it's a trap. There is never one more thing towards satisfaction. There is only one person you can find satisfaction is, and that is Jesus Christ, our Lord. That may sound super religious to some of you, and here's what I'll say. Here's how I will confront that. It is. And you just got to deal with it. You got to decide, do I believe this or do I not? Because you can't kind of believe this and actually make it work. If you say, well, I kind of have Jesus and I kind of have this. I kind of need Jesus and I kind of need to get high all the time. I kind of need Jesus and I need to get drunk all the time. I kind of need Jesus and I need a side piece. I kind of need Jesus and I need this. That doesn't work that way. It's all or nothing. And he is everything and all you need. And I say that to people who are suffering and who are hungry and are struggling to feed your family. And I tell you, that doesn't mean we can't help you. That doesn't mean we can't fight for more in the ways that you have basic needs that are good, right? We're not talking about basic needs to feed your family. We're not talking about medication for your family. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about the basic things that you need are good. We're not Buddhists. But if we don't have Jesus at the center, when you get those basic things, you're going to want more. If Jesus is not at the center. The world will not get you. What if we redefine the line, though? What if we changed what the line is? What if the line became how long we wear the same shoes? I didn't wear the ones that are two years old on purpose, but I'm wearing two-year-old shoes. I just want to say that. What if the line became how long we were able to drive the same car? What if, the, if we changed the line to be satisfaction in God alone? My son loves cars. I don't know if you guys noticed this. Some of you have been accosted by my son in the parking lot saying, can you open the hood to your car? That's my boy. <laughs> by the way, I do not work with my hands on cars. I've changed oil. That's about it. And the air filter, that one's easy. But when I took my son to the international car show in San Diego um, uh, in January, what my son wanted me to do was open the hood because he wanted to see the engines. And so after going to the Jeep exhibit, which is amazing because it's like a roller coaster, we went to every car there. It had to be hundreds of cars. If it was not hundreds of cars, it felt like it. And what would happen is he would say, can I, can I see the engine on this one? Can I see the engine on this one? I would go, figure out where, I mean, every car company makes it different. Had to look under, open up that hood, put the little stick in so I could see it and be like, okay, buddy, there's the engine. I'd be like, buddy, where you at? He would already be at the next car. Daddy, I want to see this engine. And at first I was like a little annoyed. And then as I got, like as we kept doing this, I said, you will come and see this engine and you will enjoy it. <laughs> and he's like, but daddy, I want to see that one. I was like, pretend to enjoy it. <laughs> pretend to enjoy this one. I want to see it. Oh, daddy, good job. Okay, thank you. We'll close it. <laughs> what I learned is, is that when I opened the, the, the hood, or he calls it a bonnet because he watches a lot of English shows. When I opened the hood, he would start to see the engine and turn his head already towards something else. And so, you know, I wouldn't put the stick in. What's that thing called? Does anyone know? It's a, the stick thing. When I, would put the, I wouldn't put the stick thing in. I would just open it up slightly, let him see, close it. But the, but the thing is, is he's just like us. He may have a little more ADD than you, which I do as well, but he's always looking for the next thing. He was always looking for the next thing, unable to be satisfied in the thing in front of him until I forced him to pretend that he was. But it's just like us, friends. The moment we start to see something that we want to see, we're looking the next way. Friends, I had cuts all over my hands from trying to get these things open, and I was going to force him to pretend to enjoy it, but he never fully, truly enjoyed it like he could. 
because he was always looking to the next thing. Friends, if you have Instagram and you put it up, there are people who are going to show you how great their life is. A, it's a lie. You got people who are filming their Swedish vacation in Ikea these days. I'm not even kidding. It's real. You got people who say they're in Italy that are actually just like at places like Little Italy. This is what they're really doing because they so want you to admire them, look up to them, and get money from you. Friends, the things we are chasing are lies. They cannot fulfill our desires like Jesus. And I tell you that as someone who wants that sweet Tatis brown jersey, who wants those Nikes to be on sale for 20 bucks, but they will not give me what I want. Instagram never shows the bad stuff. There's a, there's a poet from Cameroon who says this. He says, the tip of the neighbor's iceberg often looks very nice. The tip of the neighbor's iceberg often looks very nice. Mark Twain says it this way, comparison is the death of joy. Comparison is the death of joy. But there was a dude named Paul, um, Paul who led and started lots of churches all over, um, who knew how to deal with it all. Now, Paul, you have to know a little bit of who Paul is. And I know everybody here is not like, doesn't know everything about the Bible, which is fine because I don't either. But Paul had been whipped the 40 minus one. And why would we call it the 40 minus one? Because it was believed that 40 slashes to the back would kill you. So they'd always make sure to leave one off. Paul had been shipwrecked. Paul had stayed at the house of like a total awesome like fashionista who made purple gear that was like that was like it she was like the head of nike basically i don't know why i'm talking about nike so much sorry paul had been bitten by snakes paul had been shipwrecked paul had been in jail multiple times and here is what paul says in philippians 4 12 through 13 i know both how to make do with little and i know how to make do with a lot in any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Friends, when you go to some Christian school and they have a basketball gym, it's going to say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When you see someone get a touchdown and they win the game and they interview them, they say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Friends, I want to see them interview the guy who's losing and say that. I want to see the guy who's, who's struggling who says that. Because Paul is saying here that I have learned the secret of being content. It's not found in seeking after more. It is found in seeking after Christ. And this is the most basic, easy idea that I feel like every single second of the day we're having to fight to remember, right? If you're like me, we have to fight for this. Hey, I want this, this, this. I wish this were better. I wish this were better. I wish I lived here. I wish I, I, was, I wish I was a baller. I wish I was a little bit taller. And yet, we have to seek God to find our contentment in him. That's what Paul is saying. Do you know what it means to, to do all things through him who strengthens me? It means contentment in him. That's how he strengthens you, to be cool with the situation in front of you. I'm not saying that some of you don't have rough situations, but I am saying that when they get better, they're still going to be rough if you don't seek him for your contentment. Okay, so whenever we've considered following God and giving up a certain sin, though, we often find ourselves thinking that we could never survive without him. And I, and I tell you, friends, um, I'm going I'm to close with this. There's hope for us murderers and thieves. 
There's hope for us adulterers and thieves and murderers. There is hope for us. I'm going to tell you a story from Luke 19, 1 through 8. Luke 19, 1 through 8. Now I'm going to start off with my paraphrase, my New Dale translation, and I'll, I'll go back into it. So if you want to follow along, Luke 19, 1 through 8, if you, uh, if you keep score. Jesus walked into a little place called Jericho. There was a dude named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, who was known for his money and for cheating people out of their money. You know what he was also known for was being like super short, like shorter than Spud Webb short. But this short man wanted to see Jesus. So he climbed up on a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus just, just pass by. If I could just see him. Jesus looked up and he said, Zach, get down from that tree. I could see up your robe. <laughs> I didn't know if that was going to land. Ew. Come down here. Come down here so I could stay at your house. He's telling the worst dude, I want to stay at your house, Zacchaeus. Pick it up in the real Bible in verse 6. No robe, anything. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. You had a greedy dude at the IRS who was stealing from everybody that just told Jesus, I have stolen, or if I've stolen, I will give it back. I will give more because you have changed me, because I have found contentment in you. Let me tell you another one, another example of some thieves meeting Jesus. Luke 23, 32 through 44. Two other criminals, and we translate this often as thieves, Luke 23, 32. Two other criminals were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself. If this is God's Messiah, the chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, if you were the king of Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself. Save us. But the other answered, rebuking him, don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly. We're getting back what we deserve for the things we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This was a thief, most likely a liar. The same dude as us. You have the same type of person on both sides of Jesus. What's the difference between them? Jesus. That's the only difference. One embraced Jesus, one yelled at him. You can live a life who, where you, you can't stand Christians. You can live a life where you don't stand Jesus. And that's fine, and you are welcome to do that. But I tell you, Jesus cares about you. Jesus loves you, and this is what the beauty is of the gospel. Friends, if you've sinned, if you've coveted, if you've had anger, if you've lusted, don't have shame that drives you away from community. Find that guilt, embrace it, and let it draw you to God where he will forgive you. Guilt is good. It tells you you need something. You need a savior to forgive you. That's what the gospel's about. Guys, we've sought our own way. 
We've been experts in living life. We've put on a front because we want people to know that we're good. And every time I look at the Bible, he says, you're not good. But that's okay, because I am. And it's okay, friends, to be messed up. It's okay to be broken. It's okay to have sins. But let them draw you to Jesus and be forgiven. And here's how he has the power to forgive you. Because he came to this earth. He put on a a whole suit of meat. It was fully man, fully God. And he lived a perfect life that we could not live. And he died as a sacrifice for us so that we might have life. But then what he did on the third day is he rose again. And when he rose again, he revealed something. He revealed that death has nothing on him. He revealed that our sin that was thrust upon him has nothing on him. Because he's so much more powerful than the grave, so much more powerful than your sin. All you have to do is decide which thief you are. Which one are you lying next to Jesus? Are you the one that says, "Mm, I pretty much got this on my own, but like I'll I'll give him this service? Are you the one that says, man, I can't do it. And I encourage you, if you look inside and you see your imperfections, I tell you there is a Savior who is perfect, who adores you and would do anything for you. Even if you've pretended to be the expert all this time, he still says to you, no, 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 I got you. Come, find that guilt inside of you and be forgiven. He offers willingly. He opens his arms to you, friends. When you find out you've sinned, it's meant to draw you to Jesus, draw you to community, draw you to friends. Yes, you fail, but let's just start being honest about it with each other and let's grow in God. Do you know one of the best ways to know if someone is a Christian? They tell you when they're wrong. They apologize more quickly than they used to. They admit their mistakes. This is what we do. We do this every week. We get a a moment of silence and we confess to him. We've messed up in all these places. Confess to God and confess to each other. Do you want all the things? Yeah, me too. Ask for forgiveness. Do you want to take something from someone? Ask for forgiveness. And may we learn that not one thing can satisfy us like God himself can. And perhaps today is the day where you say, you know what, God, I've tried everything else and I need you. And I encourage you to go to him in prayer today. And, and, and while today is still today, I don't know what tomorrow is. Go to him today and say, you know what? I just want to live for you. I want to live with your help. I want to live with you being Lord of my entirety, my entire life. Thoreau says this, happiness is like a butterfly. The more you chase it, the more it will elude you. But if you turn your attention to other other things, it will come and sit comfortably on your shoulder. Friends, if you sit and you seek God, that is where you will find true joy. Maybe not happiness like Thoreau might say, but joy in the midst of your sorrow, your suffering, your struggle, and your sin. Friends, we have We all have things that cause us to fall short. If you have envy, if you lack contentment, look to Jesus. Because satisfaction is found in God alone, not the things we accumulate. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you are here, that you are working, that you love us. God, we we have uh, have heard your Ten Commandments, and we're almost done. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing about the ways that I'm still sinning. But God, we know that we fall short. And so we want to come to you in the silence of our hearts right now 
and confess to you the places that we have fallen short and would you receive our confession? God, we we ask that you would forgive us. And and Father, I thank you that those who have confessed their sins to you have, have, have said that you are Lord of their lives, have confessed with their mouth and believed in their heart. God, we know that we are saved in you. And God, I pray that you would continue to draw us closer and closer to you. Thank you that the sin that we did deserved your wrath. But you didn't put that wrath on us, you put it on your son in our stead. Father, we thank you that you choose to see the sinlessness of your son Jesus when you see us. That as far as the east is from the west, so our sin is from your sight. And we just want to come to you and we want to say thank you so much. We don't deserve it. And yet, you've earned it for us. So thank you so much. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.